The Secrets of Sacred Art is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Sacred Art, where we unearth the hidden treasures, history, and deeper meanings in religious and sacred art. We're your hosts, Alex Murray and Catherine Laffrey. In this, our first episode, we'll be sharing with you our journey into sacred art and what is sacred art. All right, Alex, this is fun. We're kicking off a new show, Our Adventures, where our, our passion, we love sacred art and talking about it. We'll talk for hours about it, <laughs> but we'll keep it limited to... We will, we will. Yeah, we will. So the St. Albans Psalter is a Gothic prayer book, essentially. And this image that we have, a lot of the Psalms will start with an initial letter. So they'll take the first letter of the first word of the Psalm, and they'll make it really big, and then they'll add an image to it. And the images vary. Sometimes they're stories that coincide with the Psalm that's being read. Um, in this case, it's actually showing, um, oh gosh, I don't remember the name of the saint, but she's petitioning for prayers and mercy for the uh, brothers in this monastery directly to Christ. So on one side, you have her in the picture with a green background showing that they're earthbound, so to speak. And then on the other side of the letter C, you have Christ with a blue background behind him. And this is showing him in his heavenly glory. And I also like the way he's in the sea, but he's also, if you look at the bottom, his foot's mm-hmm. coming out of the sea. So it's almost he like he cannot be contained, can he? He cannot <laughs> be contained. Exactly, exactly. So this was, um, and I think a lot of times these Psalters had these elaborate letters to start the, um, whatever verse it was, or prayer. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted it to be beautiful and elaborate. Yeah. Which I think is great. So, kind of, you know, having a piece of art to concentrate on while you're reading a psalm really helps focus your attention on what's being said. And mm. um, Psalm 105 that this is in reference to, which in Latin starts in um, confite, confite mini domino, which means thanksgiving to the Lord. When you think about it, here she's asking for this prayer for herself and these brothers. And so here we are. We're giving thanks to the Lord. And the way this psalm starts, I love and I actually want to read it. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wondrous, wonderful works. I was like, yeah. It's like, yeah, we should always, you know, start a prayer with Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. And also wonderful works, which is, of yes. course, what sacred art should exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it yes. made me think about that. So we kind of took this, though, because that would be a lot of information to put in a little bit of stitch work and instead um, focused in on the face of Christ and then that opening phrase of give thanks to the Lord. So to keep that letter C there. So, yeah, I had 
gathered, I had some embroidery floss in the house. Thank goodness for my other needlework projects. Yeah. Did you yeah. get any in the house or did you have to scrounge around? Or? I had to scrounge. I know. It was fun working through this project. Just kind of. It was. You know, was. learning how to help each other come up with colors. So here's yeah. Alex's finished work. Yes. And yes. I love the way you did the radiating colors behind Christ because it just glows. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So mine is, um, uh, and again, when we, when we'll see yours, you'll see how different they are and they came from the same, um, base pattern. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, so mine is, um, a little more, I don't have the details I think that you have in yours, Catherine, but what I did do is I, I did do a lot of blending with the colors and what I could find, what I had to work on was um, an old pillowcase because I couldn't find anything else to work on and I couldn't leave the house. So, um, so I found a white uh, pillowcase and, um, and just worked with, do you know what? So I, I kind of like, um, I felt like it was like painting. And this is the thing I like about, about embroidering. Uh, You can take your time. Yes. And um, I'm not much of a painter. I have painted and I've done oil paints and things like that. And I'm kind of afraid of watercolor, but um, I'm much more, I'm much more comfortable with graphite or pencils and embroidery thread because I can start, like if I'm starting to run off the track, it's slow enough. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to, it's like, oh, this is starting not to work. But with paint, oh, you used to surprise just... me every single time. You go, "What do you think of this?" I was like, "Oh, I really like it." And then you go, "I'm taking it all out." I'm like what? <laughs> That's true. Next yeah. thing you know, she's pulling out all the stitches she just did. I'm freaking out in my head, going, "How much more can this piece of material take?" <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You know, it actually ripped. the underneath and I had to repair it and everything I was but that's that's all me but then of course I mean I'm a pretty avid knitter and and I I don't know if it's you or my husband who insists that I like unknitting things as much as I like knitting things but it's like yeah yeah I just try to get it exactly our lady of doer of knots must be one of your favorites (laughs) exactly no and I just really um yeah a little bit of a perfectionist but so I think embroidery is a medium that kind of really accommodates somebody who's a little bit uptight. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this turned out so, beautiful. You said it went to uh, a priest was putting it up in a confessional area. Yes. Yes. So I, I, I gave it to a priest um, at the cathedral, the local cathedral. And, um, and he liked it so much that he said he was going to put it up on the priest's side of the confessional because he felt like it was something worth looking at and contemplating prayerfully when he is listening to confessions, which I thought was really lovely. I love that both of ours went on to be used in the church by priests. Because for us at that time, we weren't able to go to mass. I felt like I was really missing the rest of my family. It's like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. it really was. So I took, took my finished work and, uh, I, I seem to really favor bright colors, don't I? <laughs> you do. Yeah, totally different. I think, and I have to say, it is worth, I mean, I think you're going to put some links in the show notes so people can, yes, you know, definitely. if they're not, if they're not watching the video, they can go back and take a look. And yeah, if you look at the differences 
um, in the two pieces. But yes, Catherine loves bright colors and the sea on hers is almost three dimensional. It's beautiful. Yeah, I was kind of mimicking off of, again, the woman who does the embroidered icons where she always finishes everything with this three dimensional gold framing. And it's like, oh, that works well for the letter C. So my my letter C almost looks like shiny gold. Mm. And then I have the deep green. I kept that from the original image, the deep green to one side. And I have the the Latin um, confiti mini domino written in, in the green. And then on the other side, I love the blue and the stars. So I kind of gradiated that out on the other side. Yeah, um, in a different way. And it, yeah. You know, mine radiates out and yours is a gradient that, that mm-hmm. goes from light to dark, like into the depths. Very yeah. cool. And then what was fun, mine also ended up in a cathedral, but mine ended up in Sydney, Australia. See, so you should have said, so since it's in Australia, you should have had the photograph upside down. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> photograph upside down for sure. Yeah. That was a great, I mean, a great project to work on. It was a great way for us to get to know each other more too. Because, I mean, this it is did. fairly early on. And when we met, it I mean, was. just a year after we'd been online. Yeah, yeah, because we had been kind of talking, but do you know what? It was kind of interesting. That whole experience really slowed everything down. But one of the things I thought about was why is it that, why, why am I, how is it that I can get so excited about sacred art in the same way I can be enthusiastic about all these other realms that I really Mm -hmm. spend quite a lot of time in? And it occurred to me it's because of world building. You know, the reason Star Trek and Star Wars and Middle Earth, I would say Middle Earth especially, can be such a wonderful place to visit and stay and and imagine in and dream in and really get connected with the characters and the story is because of the fantastic world building. And... Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I would say in the Star Wars universe today, I mean, they're just oh yeah, phenomenal, Layers. phenomenal <laughs> in terms of, of world building. And it occurred to me, you know, sacred art is world building, mm-hmm. but it's world building in this world and it's world building. It's, it's telling us, it's reminding us that we're in a story. And, um, and it's and funny because so- it's... You like yeah. when you're looking at Star Wars and Middle Earth and all that other stuff, you realize you're looking at a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at sacred art, you realize that you're almost living within the fantasy and awaiting the reality. Yeah, that's a good so way to put like, it. Oh, you really feel like there's something more out there. And if, yeah. if you really see beautiful sacred art, you realize that there is a bigger, realer story. That's exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think it's something where we, especially nowadays, well, I'm not going to say especially nowadays, because there's a lot of sacred art that was produced for thousands of years that mm-hmm. is really amazing and, and beautiful. And it still draws us in. And, um, and I think one of the beautiful things about sacred art is we can be in a really painful, scary, difficult place. And whether it's personal, whether it is cultural or in our, you know, 
something that's just happening in the world that we might not have a lot of control over. And you can get bogged down in that. But what sacred art does is it reminds you, hey, you're in a story. You're in a beautiful story. Yeah. Don't forget that. And and I think the my best comparison, I guess, to that would be, you know, when Frodo and Sam were heading to Mordor and things were pretty dark and they were kind of, I think they were literally just lying in a ditch somewhere <laughs> in the Deadlands. And, um, and Sam looks up at the, at the sky, the night sky, and he sees the constellation of Baron um, on the ship with the Cimmeril on his head. And he starts to think about that story. And then he realizes and he says to Mr. Frodo, that story is still going on and we're in that story. And I think that is something that all of this sacred art, when you know what you're looking at, when you know what you're listening to, or when you know what you're walking into, yes, you're walking, you're still in this story. It's yeah. an amazing story. And so, you know, that's something that uh, we want to be able to to share with people on yeah. this podcast. And, and we just started, and I mean, this is going to sound, I can't emphasize this enough. Um, but you and I know how, how the kind of conversations that we have about Star Wars and Star Trek, and we just had one yesterday and, mm -hmm. and, but we can absolutely, we have the same enthusiasm about sacred art. And I think anybody who's, who really loves that world building is going to find this fascinating because yeah. it is fascinating. And it's so a lot of that world building is actually based on the yeah. world building from the church. The exactly. Music, the structures, it's, it's all in there. You just gotta, it is. Once you see that one thing that really, you know, gets your interest, go ahead and keep looking because you're going to find it. Yeah. And it's going to keep pointing to that bigger reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, that is something that in a way I would say we, we kind of have flattened our ideas of this world and, um, and, you know, the difference between, shall we say, Hard tack, as um, uh, as Gimli used to, you know, complain about or cram. Sorry, it was called cram, oh. like hard tack in mm -hmm. in Lembus, which is has lots of different levels to it and stuff. And so, it you know, sometimes you might feel like I'm just walking around in this kind of flattened world, but when you look around, um, and you can see what what these artists have been putting out there for such a long time the world starts to really open up and the, the dimensions of this world really open up to people. Yeah. I suppose we should let people know exactly what sacred art is. Yeah. What are we Would talking about? Yeah. You know, what yeah. Sacred yeah. art talk. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, well, I was thinking about, so I, I have a couple of ideas or some things that, that I wanted to mention. Um, one being the spirit of the litur liturgy by um, Pope Benedict XVI of Happy Memory. Yeah, and, anybody's um, looking right now. There you go. This is go. always with me. <laughs> Good for you. Love that book. Great book. <laughs> Great book. And he, he, he of course, def defines very nicely um, a way of looking at sacred art, although it's not limited to 
what he said. It's not dogma. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Um, but also, I think you can, we'll put this in the show notes, or I guess you will, because you're the, you're the techie one. But, oh, um, <laughs> goodness. But, uh, but there, you sent me a really great article, and I'm just, pardon my, uh, my paperwork here. So this is, this is from the liturgical arts journal. And it, it's actually a really wonderful essay written by, um, by a 20th century Benedictine monk from uh, Germany. It was written in 1936 and he's Dom Albert uh, Hammenstede. And he talks about, I mean, you know, I kind of wish we had him on the show. <laughs> oh, the past. The people from the past exactly. on the show would be fabulous. Exactly. Wouldn't that be so cool? Oh my oh. gosh. But Angelico, um, please. <laughs> I know, I know. Wow. All these different, you know, different ones that didn't never sign their names and to go and find those artists. But but uh but he does this fantastic essay on um liturgy as art. And I think between these two men, they they really have nailed what the purpose of sacred art is. So it's not necessarily one style or another, although I think um, I do agree with uh, Benedict XVI on, on identifying some really definitive styles mm-hmm. that are that are sacred art, but but defining what sacred art is supposed to do. And um, and so I would just encourage people to read. It's a short article. And um, but I will say this. Uh, well, anyway, I'll, I'll save it. I want to hear what you have to say about how about Catherine is such a good teacher. So she can she can tell us no pressure, Catherine. You can tell us um, kind of um, some of the different aspects of sacred art and and maybe to help people get an idea of what it is. Yeah, the best thing to think about with sacred art, it's architecture, art, obviously, paintings, drawing, sculpture, well, maybe visual drawings, art. painting and sculpture, yeah, the visuals. And then music is in there also. Mm-hmm. And sacred art should be all working together, set apart for God. That's what sacred means. It is solely meant for God, and it is our offering back to God, those gifts he's given us. Yeah. For the sacrifice of the mass. This is all set apart for him. That's why a church is a church. The cathedrals, the, you know, it's set apart for that one purpose. And it's not something that we're going to all, you know, use, you know, we'll put all the pews away and bust out the basketball hoop. No, mm-hmm. it's, then it's not set apart anymore. We want that sacred space. Yeah. So it's good to have those little set apart. And it's all interwoven with the liturgy, which goes beyond the mass into the liturgy of the hours yeah and it's all interwoven together yeah and it all flows from one place you know and i think also there's a public aspect to sacred art Mm -hmm. and that means um it's something that is accessible to people yes i think a lot of times and actually this is this was not an accident where I think nowadays you do have certain styles of art or, or, or movements that are very inaccessible to 
the average person or somebody who's not in in the know. Um, we want people to be in know in the know for sacred art because they have a right yeah. to be in the know. And um, and this it was always meant to be accessible and understood by a vast majority of people. And so that is something that so so when you have that, there are certain Here, while you're talking, are, let me put up an image here okay. so people can see. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there needs to be um because there's going to be that public ask um aspect to it and and accessibility to people, there really does need to be there's certain elements that really need to be there at all times. And um and and because that so in other words, some universal uh uh elements in it and and this is what we are catholic um, universal right <laughs> that's right that's right and and um dom hammerstedt calls it he's not he didn't make the word up it's a german word so my um apologies if i'm not that great at pronouncing it it's been a while so it's gesamtkunstwerk which means a synthetic art form for a universal character of a universal character so there are going to be parts of it that are going to make sense to us Wherever we are, um, mm -hmm. it's a language. It's a universal yes. language. So, do you want to? Um, shall I talk about the first image that that yeah, you have up? Yeah, the first image is on your side of the pond. <laughs> that's right. So this is the Shrewsbury Cathedral, and um, it's a love. It's the smallest cathedral in in Britain, and um, it was designed by um, Eugen. So if I'm going to describe this as best I can. So this is um, a crucifix. It has um, Our Lady on the left-hand side and St. John the Evangelist on the right. And it's a carved um, uh, crucifix. And it's quite heavy. Look, it's strange. It's like heavy but light at the same time. And I think that's yeah, because... Yeah, because it's free-hanging. A lot of people don't see free-hanging crucifixes. Usually they're yeah. up against a wall. This one's just free hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and I do think that adds to the lightness of it, not light as in um, shallow and, and, and lacking depth, but light as in it really draws the eye up to mm -hmm. the, um, the crucifix, especially uh, when you have the elevation of the host, because yes. it's right there. The host is there. And then you look up at the, the sacrifice. And, and so visually, this is it's really in sync with um, with the liturgy. And so. And you can't really see here. And I can't remember. This is going to sound so bad. It's been a while and I don't want to say the <laughs> wrong thing because there's a pattern on the um, the cloth, the loincloth on Christ and I can't remember I want to say it's a fleur de lis but I could be wrong so oh, I think it was yeah really was, okay yeah. well if you say that and if it's wrong then blame yeah, Catherine we'll have I'm to just go see it again <laughs> we'll just have to go see it again yeah and but the, what the other thing is the cross itself is like a garden it, it's it's radiating yeah. it has flowers on it um and it's just this it's almost like it's bursting with life which of course we're going to have to do a whole show just on different crucifixes. Yeah, so I think we beautiful I know. out there. Yeah. And this one is, you know, some people look at this and they go, oh, I don't like it because, you know, Jesus looks, you know, like he's dying. It's like, because he's dying. But 
that. <laughs> you know, it's like this. He's not supposed to be like buff Jesus on the cross. I don't know. It's he, you can see the suffering, um, but it's beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it and and again, you know, the, this this sacred art is to kind of encourage you to say, you know, it's through the suffering that the beauty comes, and that's mm-hmm. what it is. And and of course, artists know that. You know, you, you've got to make some sacrifices and some suffering if you're going to make something beautiful. And now um, at this church, you have the opposite problem that we had. Your cross is very beautifully prominent. So everybody can see it. Yeah. Um, and the other picture I put up here is the Veritos from um, St. Patrick's, a little farm parish that I go to. Uh, I believe it's one of the oldest wooden churches that's still standing in the state of Michigan. When was and, it built? Uh, I think it was, this is the third edition of it, but I know they just celebrated, I think they had 150th anniversary of the parish itself. So this building's probably just over 100 years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the Laredos actually was rescued from another church. Originally, they didn't have one this tall. And this... Basically, it's the high altar, and then behind it, it almost looks like a soaring church on top of it, another little castle with. We have St. Patrick in the middle, since the parish was founded by Irish immigrants. Mm. And uh, then we also have St. John the Baptist and um, oh, the patron saint of altar boys, St. Dominic. I don't know who you're talking about. I can't something with an S, I forget. But anyway. Yeah, I'll have to look that up and put it in the show notes. But our yes. crucifix is a smaller crucifix. It's made out of gold and white marble. And against the white of the Rorados, it was being lost. And people kept asking, Father, why don't we have a crucifix? He's like, we do. It's right above the tabernacle. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, it's right there. And he's like, I'm always elevating the host right in front of it. And after mass, I approached him. I said, you know what? It's getting lost we have a sea of white there can yeah. I make some curtains in liturgical colors to go behind the cross and so in this picture we have the purple for advent and lent that hangs behind the cross and it really makes it stand out and a lot of people were happy to have that there and then the green for ordinary time actually matches in the uh stained glass window there's saint patrick in his green chasuble there and so yeah i made it so it matched that and there'll be a red one up for pentecost that'll bring out the reds from our stained glass windows yeah it's beautiful it's nice that it was saved it's nice that it was yes it was um rescued that's the other mm-hmm. thing a lot of sacred art needs rescuing i think so yeah so more types of sacred art we talked yeah. about architecture a little bit and mm-hmm. this other image is also from your side of the pond it is. So we have it is. beautiful vaulted ceilings from the oratory. The oratory in Birmingham, which is where Tolkien grew up. So there's a really, you know, lots of connections there. And you can tell it, what inspired his world building. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It absolutely did. In fact, the priest um, who, who essentially raised him and his brother, he was the inspiration for Gandalf. Uh-huh. And I believe the Oratorians used to have like a little retreat house. This is before Birmingham became so built up, obviously before World War II, um, 
really before World War One. Now that I think about it, since this was where Tolkien would go as a as a child, uh, and I think it was called Rivendell. So that's so cool, oh, you know. Neat. But um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so this is the oratory in um, Birmingham, and. We will be doing a show on this place because it is amazing outside and in. There's so many things here in the oratory. And the acoustics are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the oratory itself was a secret. So we'll just go into that later. We'll have to do. But uh, yeah, so we have the vaulted ceilings and, um, and the mosaics in that place are just beyond amazing. It's just Every amazing. little side altar oh, just takes you to a new place. <laughs> yeah. And you can just, you can go in. What I love about the oratory is talk about going into another world. Talk about mm-hmm. world building. That whole place is just, uh, you know, it's alive with um, symbols and beauty. And then the music is mm-hmm. kind of okay too, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, the music is I mean, the the organ they have in there, and I have up here with this a picture of uh, Saint Cecilia, the patron saint of of musicians, because yeah. a huge aspect of sacred art is music, and it's amazing the effect music has on you. Yeah, when you're sitting yeah. in a place like the oratory where you can just hear it rolling off the walls. Yeah, and it 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 helps to move you. You know, where was what's happening here? You've all watched movies. If you've ever seen when people do funny video clips and they <laughs> take a dramatic moment from a movie and swap in some goofy song. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just doesn't have the impact that it did. Even though it's the same words, the same people. The same actions, so, but the music. The yeah, actions, that's a great yeah. that is a great um analogy because uh it's it does make a difference. And, and even, you know, they're so talented, you know, they'll even do pauses so you can hear the, the echo, as you say, rolls through the building and, and then they start something else. I mean, they're just, they know what they're doing there. Yeah. They really do. <laughs> oh yeah. We're going to we're definitely talk a lot about music and we'll have to probably get a few musicians to join in and yeah. interview some of the great uh, new writers that are out there. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, one other element of sacred art we have is just the vestments and all the furnishings and all the little details that you might not yeah. think about that all go into pointing us toward what's really happening at mass. And so I put up here a picture of another chalice, Paul, that I made with the day on it. Um, this priest uh, particularly asked for it to um, mimic a stained glass window he had seen, where it mm-hmm. shows not only um, the Lamb of God. Um, with the blood pouring from his wounded side, but also has um, a shell pouring out the water of baptism. And so he really liked having, you know, both sacraments in a way, thinking of the new birth of baptism along with um, the Holy Eucharist. And I love making the chalice balls because I'm making a piece of art that's going to be looked at primarily by a handful of people close up. Yeah, and in particular, yeah. the priest. And that's like, you know, when I'm working on my prayer, it's just that this helps to guide the priest in his prayers while he's saying the mass. Yeah, and yeah. So, no, it is, and it he is. actually had it kind of match with his 
chalice. I didn't even did know you plan that or did did not plan that ahead of time. But he was okay. kind of saying, "I really like the dark blue. I really like that gold band around the outside and his chalice that he put this with for the picture that he sent me. Beautiful gold chalice with some." inlaid um, enamel images that also have that deep blue background that I like to use in almost all my backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's beautiful. And even sometimes when you do have things that are quite, um, <clears throat> you know, they don't have to be the biggest and flashiest thing sometimes. And that's the other thing, you know, when you go into a cathedral or, you know, as a, you know, if you're going to be t- as a tourist or if you're going in um, to worship, you know, these little nooks and crannies, they really are there to draw you in. And it doesn't have to be this big, dramatic thing. It could just be this one little thing, you know, that touches you, that you can connect with. And um, and I've been to a couple of places like that or, you know, little, you know, saints, um, you know, hidden in the corner, this little saint. And you go, oh, my gosh, what are you doing over here? <laughs> I actually saw a little gecko carved into this beautiful vine work over the arch of a door and nice I like, oh my gosh I never would have thought I'd seen a gecko that was so cute <laughs> I know see it's just it's the details the details yeah. because the more the, the better the world building the more you can understand the story yeah yeah, yeah. draws you in for the art and stay for the service stay for me exactly exactly <laughs> stay we, get, for the... we get beyond like what's used for mass there's yeah. still other types of art out there that help people focus their prayer life yeah and yeah really grow in the faith because we're not in mass 24 7 no but we have no. to be out in the world and we need those reminders to keep us going out in the world and so we have religious art yeah yeah so, so here we go so, um, so we have a couple of examples of religious art. So the first one is, I guess I should tell people, um, I am also a lay Dominican and um, I get my formation and everything down at Oxford and with at Blackfriars. And it's a really, uh, there's just, you know, my fellow lay Dominicans are, are really a lovely bunch of people. I really like them. They challenge me. I they keep hope you I sharp. challenge That's them. For sure. They keep me sharp. <laughs> and yeah, because if I'm not making sense, they sure gonna let me know. <laughs> but and hopefully, hopefully I'm I'm there to encourage and challenge them as well. So uh the formation there is about is four years, and at the end of four years you take your final vows. And um and it was a little bit delayed, you know, like everything else in the world. But uh, I finally was able to make my my final vows last year and um, it, to commemorate my my final vows and also to commemorate the 800th anniversary of my order. Um, I thought that I would do a little a little something to uh, help me in my prayer life, remind me of my vows as a as a lay Dominican. and. Um, and so I did this piece of embroidery. So it is, I don't know how many people know the story of St. Dominic, but um, when he, before he was born, his mother dreamt that she gave birth to a little black and white dog who then, I guess, presumably jumped off the bed, grabbed a torch <laughs> and ran out into the night. 
And she woke up and I guess she was like, that was weird. And so she she told her confessor this story. And he said, I think this child is going to be very special. And so that was St. Dominic who started off as an Augustinian um, monk. But when there were certain really, really um, troubling heresies, I suppose they're all troubling, but these were particularly troubling, mm-hmm. the Albigensian um, heresy uh, was really spreading through Spain and France. Um, St. Dominic felt uh called to go out into the world and and to um really evangelize and and teach people the truth and so he was he started one of the first of the two mendicant orders and so his his peer i suppose in all that was saint francis so saint francis was working in one end to and in one way to bring people back to the truth of the church and St. Dominic was working in another way. So our symbol for many, many centuries has been this black and white dog carrying the torch of truth. And so my black and white dog is based on a couple of things, Um, a plate that I found in Poland that I really liked Mm -hmm. and um, my lovely boxer, and my lovely golden retriever. So the body, if you look at the body, it's definitely a boxer's body. And he's kind of got a fat nose and that's my golden retriever's nose. And the torch is um, really represents all of the Dominicans, all of my lay, my fellow lay Dominicans. And each flame is different. And um, the background is it's a white and black dog on a black field. And uh the torch is illuminate. The torch represents truth and it's illuminating um, truth throughout the uh, darkness and confusion. And that's what we're supposed to be doing as Dominicans. Um, yeah. So and Catherine, Catherine held my yeah, hand. through this. <laughs> yes. Be a light. In the, and so Catherine, it was very encouraging and held my hand throughout a lot of this because I'm like, I'm never going to finish Catherine. I'm never going to finish. Why did I even start this? And um <laughs> And, and several undoings and redoings and undoings. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, there were. And uh, but I finished it up and um, got it framed, entered it into a contest. And uh, it was an international contest that Catherine and I both uh, yeah. were in. And we both got um, we both made the finals. Yeah, we didn't make the We didn't win first, second or third. And I can. That's OK. Yeah, that's OK. That's OK. But that's this okay. is this. So this is a contemplative and prayerful piece of religious art. So it's not sacred art. Uh, but for me as a Dominican, it reminds me of um, of my vows and, and, and to take them very seriously and and to look at all of the different flames as they, co- they come together uh, in search of truth and to not be afraid to, to preach the truth. That's that's what we're called to do. Yeah. As, as as Catholics, I understand, but particularly as Dominicans, you got to kind of take that to little, hand. Yeah. A little <laughs> image in the middle here, because we, we know each other well enough to know that we like praying with art. Um, yeah. We have our picture here of our little gift exchange when I finally got to head over to England and meet you. Yeah. I brought, I brought a little small icon of uh, the image of Mary and Jesus, as was seen by Sister um, Lucia, 
Um, and this is what kind of really spurred on the first Saturday devotions. And uh, yeah, I wanted Alex to have this, you know, has uh, she's a mom and has, has two daughters. And so we yeah. all about, know about being moms and praying for our kids. And yeah, I really thought yeah. this would be nice, nice for her, for her prayer space. And, you know, we all pray for our families all the time. And then you gave me a sweet little book here that you found at uh, the local bookshop, the old bookshop. Yeah, Ironbridge Bookshop. It's just, my daughter works there and she's she's good at finding these little treasures in there. So she found this one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love old books like this. It looks like it's from what, the 1920s or earlier? I think it is from the 1920s. Yeah. And yeah. it really does go with your style. It's, it's yes, I do something that you're that clearly style. drawn to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Probably because I grew up with my grandmother loving to read old books to us. And I love the illustrations in old books, especially around that time period. Yeah. Now, the last piece we hear is actually a painting done in the 1800s. And it's of um, Fra Angelico being visited by angels. And I love this painting. I have it hanging um, in my studio for me to look at because he's painting a crucifix and crying. Yeah, he's well, and Fra Angelico, he was a Dominican um, and he, yeah. do you know what? So much of his stuff is ubiquitous to um, out there in the culture. So yeah. I would encourage people to look up some of his work, beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful work that he really, you can tell how he com contemplated and yes. um, he paint he painted his pieces for his fellow Dominicans to help them in their prayer life. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was a humble man. He actually there is a a self portrait of him, and uh, he so oh, he was yeah. late Gothic, and uh, and I think he's a saint. I'm oh, just yeah. I mean I might be a little bit biased. To us, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's wonderful. And and just the humility uh, and and willing and love for um, for God and also in turn for his his creation. And when you look at his stuff, it's yep. it really is. Um, uh, you can see that it comes across. So anyway, so yeah, so that's one level. creation. Yeah, that kind of yeah. ties into another type of art. That we have yeah. that brings us just outside the threshold of the door, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, oh gosh. We have that <laughs> threshold periphery art. Yeah, Alex, put you on the spot there with one of your own sketches from what's I behind know. you. <laughs> it's like if you look behind me, then you can judge how what can how good or bad a job did I do? <laughs> but uh, yes, so this is called threshold or periphery art, and it doesn't have to have it doesn't have a particularly religious. Um, uh, sub theme or subject but I think what does make it peripheral art or threshold art is it's something that draws you in it's all about um, communicating and 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 having you reflect something so this background I, I did this um, this sketch a couple of years ago and I just was it was just something quiet that I did on my own and I did it in my dining room and uh, it makes me think of family and home and cozy, a cozy life. Uh, you know, we've had lots of happy moments in this dining room and, um, and 
some exciting ones now. <laughs> Never thought I would kind of uh, be doing this. But um, yeah, so this is a peripheral art. But I think it is something that, uh, you know, all these different vessels, this is what Catherine brought up, that, you know, all these different vessels, and they're all kind of standing and working together. And, and I just liked the way they oddly just fit in together and made sense together. And um, I'm trying to figure I, out which one of those is Donald. <laughs> your Scottish husband. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm, you know, nowadays I've got this one that's on this side. It kind of looks like a chicken, but um, it's not. That's not him at all. I would. Say, I would say the big blue pitcher, which I think is someplace else yeah. in the house now. But um, you know, or even the glug jug. Actually, that one. Uh, a story about that one. But uh, yeah, so it just to me it represents. Um, you know, I love art. I, I love pottery. That's my big obsession. And, um, and so that's, this is threshold art. So it's something that's nice makes you think of, uh, there's a dignity there, I hope. And, um, and then the, and next to my sketch, let's move quickly on to something that's <laughs> really nice and beautiful is, um, an owl. And it is, I believe this might be, um, I don't know what medium this is. I think it might be like watercolor, but I don't, it or seems ink. really soft. Yeah. yeah, um by Albrecht Dürer and it is um I call it the little Grogu owl. Uh <laughs> he looks like Grogu. And uh, minus the ears, he's very cute. And just a, a beautiful rendering of an animal, uh something in creation. And I think when we talk about threshold art, as opposed to a lot of like like what is threshold art versus like art? So I think it it needs to have um, it needs to communicate the dignity of the creation, whether or not it's a living thing or something that somebody else made or a tree or a rock, you know, a landscape painting. There needs to be the reality of that dignity. And you could take a photograph of an owl and it could be super cute. But I just think there's some element of of this piece that um, Albrecht Dürer um, made that you can see mm-hmm. he's acknowledging the creator. Yes. You know, that's what that is. And, and it draws you in in a different way. It doesn't push you away. I think sometimes exactly. we have, you know, there's art that's shocking. It's there to shock and to offend or or to titillate but it doesn't draw you in and threshold art draws you in and it draws you in a little bit more and a little bit more. And that's, that's what we want. So those are the, those are the, these are the art pieces that we're going to be looking at. So now Catherine, why don't you take, talk us through these two pieces of threshold art. So I'd say for most of my art career, I've been on the threshold and it wasn't until, um, taking classes upon effects that I really thought I even had the ability to move into sacred art and that's part of the reason why I joined Pontifex was I wanted to do something more it's like every time I did a painting and most of my work was wildlife paintings I had studied under a local wildlife artist when I was in high school and so I was like okay I love animals I love landscapes this fits me and that's how I've worked most of my career but I always felt like there was something more in um I have two paintings here. Uh, One of them is a blue heron walking across a bunch of dried fallen trees along a a riverbank. 
And the amazing thing is, is when I'll start out working on one of these, especially the heron, it just was really odd. And this was probably God nudging me toward doing sacred art was all of a sudden I just started hearing Ezekiel. I'm like, why am I hearing Ezekiel when I do this? And sure enough, you know, it would have been within a few days of that at mass, we're hearing from Ezekiel and the dry bones. And I'm like, okay, now I see what you're saying. So this painting is actually named Ezekiel 37. And um, this heron walking among these dried out, bleached out trees that have fallen over. And very subtly in the heron's feathers around his neck, you can see that the wind is blowing. So it kind of mm-hmm. trying to get that feel of the breath of God going across the dry bones. Mm-hmm. And then the other painting I have, um, my dad used to be a district manager, take lots of pictures of wildlife for me when he was out driving all over Michigan. And this is a huge bull elk. And in Michigan, they get really big. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I started painting this one, I kept going, no, there's something in the Bible about like a deer or something like that. And sure enough, in the Song of Songs, you have um, that feeling of like my loved one, like being like a gazelle coming to me or at a stream. And so, you know, this elk was actually looking for his loved one, which my dad didn't realize was on the other side of the road. And thankfully the elk didn't go through his car to get to the girl on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. Cause uh, you know, love is strong. (laughs) Love is strong. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I did here for my uh, periphery art and on the threshold. And it's fun now to, to take that and step into the bigger world of sacred art. And my yeah. animals still show up in there. I mean, the Lamb of God and all yeah, that and isn't that nice? Yeah, we were just laughing. We were going through some of these these pictures, and we're going, "Wow, we've got a lot of animals in there." And <laughs> we do like people, you know. Yes. But I think we're more, <laughs> we kind of really like animals as well. They're kind of yeah. um, a big part of our life, you know. But uh, so I guess. I'm just thinking now, everyone has been so patient listening to us. Um, and what is it that, let's talk about a little bit about what we really hope to do with this podcast, because, you know, we're just starting out. I mean, Catherine is a seasoned veteran, of course, of the podcasting world, but, you know, this is... You might have heard me on Secrets of Star Wars. Me, exactly. But me, I, no, I'm all new to this. So, uh, you know, so this is going to be a journey in lots of different ways. Um, a journey uh, with us as we continue to um, pursue this master's degree and all of the art that we're going to be working on. We hope to share that with with our listeners and, oh, and bring them along. Every time I learn something new, I got to tell somebody. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there's so much. But but, you know, so we we want to. Um, we want to invite people on this journey. And, you know, it's like so cool. You know, I love to, there's nothing better than listening to somebody who has a passion for something that I have a passion for. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking about, you know, I love listening to, I can listen to stuff about Star Wars and Star Trek. And I do actually for hours. And, um, and, but it's the same with this. And, and, you know, we really hope that this is something, this is a new world that um, people might not be aware of, or they might just kind of know there's something there that they're missing. And we kind of, we want to help them. We want to open up the bigger world to them 
in sacred arts. And it opens up your prayer life in a new way too. And you can actually look at these images while you're praying. You might be sitting in your church and never realize that your stained glass windows are the the mysteries of the rosary. And you've been sitting there praying the rosary all along and you look up and see, oh, there yeah. they are. And they're in, in the order I'm praying. You can start turning and looking toward them. Exactly, exactly. And not only that, but but also, and then start seeing the influence in the in the society that all of these things have. There's so much, you know, um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so that's something we want to share. But then another side of it that what we want to do is we want to talk about the artists, um, past mm-hmm. and present, and also to inspire people who are artists, not necessarily religious or sacred artists, mm-hmm. but maybe get some artists to really start thinking about how they're using their gifts and, and, and their knowledge. And that doesn't mean like, Oh, you know, stop doing what you're doing and and go and paint a church, but start really thinking about what it is to be an artist and, Mm -hmm. and how to start creating real beauty in the world. And that doesn't mean nice, um, like a, a scene. Oh, that's a nice scene. That's a lovely scene. No, that's, that's not what we mean. Beauty is truth. And, um, and it's something again, that is so hidden in the world and, and people are hungry for that and they're hungry for beauty. So, so we want to inspire, inspire some artists maybe to start rethinking and, or even encourage them to keep doing what they are doing. They might be, they might be on the right track and they might need to hear someone go, yeah, you're on the right track. That's what we needed. That's what we wanted. Um, and so that's, that's another thing. And, and then also, you know, one day as, as we have, as we gain listeners and, and, and our listeners get a better understanding of what we're trying to do, uh, we want them to kind of start Showing us what they found out oh, in the world. So we want to have, discover something. Show us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Show us. And and also, and this is the other thing that we're looking forward to, is some of these places have some really interesting things hidden in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, histories, stories that are just beyond fascinating. And so we have some that we've discovered ourselves and we're still in the process of discovering. And, um, you know, it's just, there's a lot out there and we want to bring everybody along. We are, so that kind of leads us on to our, what our, um, episode two is going to be about Linda Sparn. And that is the Holy Island, uh, in, in Northern England. And we're going to talk about what we discovered there. And it was really something we weren't expecting. We were just, we mm-hmm. were going to Lindisfarne because it is an amazing place to go. And don't give away uh, too much. I'm not, <laughs> but it's, uh, but we discovered something really cool there. And so if you want to know what we discovered, you're going to have to listen to episode two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we definitely need to thank our biggest supporters. Our husbands. Yes. <laughs> they help us out all the time. I know. Our they're much more technically husband. savvy than we are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And encouraging as always. They're just, yes. yeah, they're both great. Next time they need yeah. to, you know, you need to bring, you need to bring your hubby over. And uh, yes. So we would like to thank um, Stan L and Donald M for all of their support <laughs> for us in this podcast, even today. 
Today, yes. Even getting started today. Exactly, exactly. So thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. And if you would like to support our program, um, please go to sqpm.com slash support. Yeah. All right. Well, this was wonderful. And it's so much fun to always talk about art and yeah. get excited yeah. for the next journey. So until next time, I'm Catherine Laffrey. And I'm Alex Murray. And uh, hope you find something beautiful. Here's another podcast on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets.